We're pressing on into a series we've been doing called Be the Church. If you can tell, there's been a lot of parts to this. I do pretty long series, but we're near the end. Last two weeks. This week and next week, I'll wrap it up. We're moving into the Advent season, and we'll move in that direction. But but the heart of this, the bulk of this, has been about understanding that we are the church. That um, church isn't something just that, you know, it's not just something that we do every now and again. It's who we are. We're the church 24-7. You're the church gathered corporately right now. When you leave the facility in a little while, you'll still be the church. You're just the church on mission. And I, I want us to get a hold of that and live that out. It changes things. Because the church is all about people. It's about our relationships. It's about our relationship with God, our relationship with the people of God, and our relationship with the future people of God. We've talked about all those things. We're talking now about that last part, our relationship with the future people of God. We call that mission. And over the last few weeks, I've been challenging you that we need to think and see more like Jesus in in order to grasp our mission. We've talked about agape love and the cosmic battle that we're um, all engaged in. And uh, these next two weeks, we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. And this week I'm going to talk about the father's heart, the father's response to the lost. And then next week we're going to look at the older brother's response. And this is so important because we have to, to be people of mission, we have to have the father's heart in this. If we get the older brother's heart, we stop being people of mission. And unfortunately, it's what the church, it's sort of the church's fallback if they're not careful. We keep going back to that older brother thing and we get critical and judgmental and we forget about the heart of God and the grace of God. So we're going to talk about that today in the few moments we have together. Uh, That's the intro transition, always a bad joke or two. These are actually, I saw this, I liked it. This is wisdom from children. Wisdom from children. It's pretty good. And and you can see, you know, as they get older, they get smarter in some of these things. So this is a 10-year-old named Patrick and uh, he says, never trust a dog to watch your food. Uh, it's really good, right? You can't trust a dog to do that, even as good as that dog is. I like this one. This is 14-year-old Michael. He says, when your dad is mad and says, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. <laughs> That's... And this is Emily. She's 10. She, I don't know how she came to this conclusion. Don't pull dad's finger when he tells you to. <laughs> and this is Talia. She's 11. I like this. When your mom is mad at your dad... Don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> That's enough wisdom for today. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose. This is out of Luke 15. This is the story I was telling you about beginning in verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Remember that last passage there. The, the heart of the Father. It wasn't about all the things that the Son had done prior to that. It was that He had returned. And, and, and this, the compassion of the Father just wells out of Him because one who was lost is found. One who was dead is alive. And he's, it's a spiritual life taking place. One who was spiritually dead, now spiritually alive. That's the heart of God. And that's the heart and the motivation for mission that we're all engaged in. So... In talking about mission and in talking about this idea, I want to talk about the grace of God today and I want to talk about, you know, hospitality in the kingdom and how those two things work together in this process. And um, our motivation to be a people of mission is the grace of God and, and it's to demonstrate the hospitality of God, to welcome people home. And that's what it looks like. So I want to start back in the Old Testament with a quick look. Point number one in your notes is this, I am the Lord your God. Just as a quick aside, when you're reading through the Old Testament and you see that statement, I am, it should really grab your attention. I'd like for all of it to grab your attention, but there are some things that are said that you should really tune into. And when the Lord says, I am, he's making a very strong point. You remember it was back at the burning bush when Moses says to him, who should I say sent me? And he says, tell them, I am is sending you, and that was enough. That spoke it. I am is that kind of thing. It's like when Jesus says truly, truly, or very, verily, depending on your translation, I am. And so he says, I am the Lord your God. Now he's saying that in Leviticus 19, and he says it a lot there. He's making points about how people to live. But in uh, 19 verses 33 and 34, it says, When a foreigner or a stranger or an alien resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. Um, the foreigner residing among you, the stranger, the alien, must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Remember I said in mission, the idea is loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's all part of this process. And he's referring to a point in time in the history of Israel when they were in uh, slavery in Egypt. They were in captivity. And what takes place then is known as the exodus. And whenever I get a chance to talk about the Exodus, I like to do that because you should be aware of it. It should be more than just a word to you. It should, it should like strike something in you because it's a theme that runs throughout the Bible. And the Exodus in the Old Testament is when God moves supernaturally and he rescues and delivers the people of Israel out of slavery and he brings them into the promised land. Uh, that's a, a picture of what's going to happen for us in Jesus, who supernaturally is going to make a way for us to be rescued from captivity and bondage and slavery to sin and lead us and give us a way into eternal life, into a promised life. So, so that's the picture that happens there. Now, in the Old Testament, after the people are rescued and delivered, after they've done that, God takes them out and he's taking them into a new land. And remember, he takes some time to speak to them. And he speaks what the Bible says are ten words. Now, we've made that ten commandments, but it's really, he speaks ten words. And what he's doing at that point is he's telling them, now that they're rescued, now that they're delivered, now that they've been set free, this is how you're supposed to live in community. And these ten things are love things. Um, they're not law things. 
over time, we've made them law things, but, but they're love things. The first three are about loving God. The last six are about loving your neighbor. Number four is about loving yourself. And that, that you know, people ask about, when I get number four, it's about Sabbath. It's about rest. It's about entering the presence of God. It's about knowing and settling um, with who you are in Him that begins to make a difference in life. And it's only as we get to that place that we can truly do the first three, love God, and truly do the last six which is love others. And so all of these statements were love statements. But what happens over time is these things got taken. Instead of being what happens as a result of being rescued and delivered, these now sort of became the things that they thought they needed to do, either to be rescued and delivered or to maintain being rescued and delivered. And they are none of those things. The deliverance, the rescue, was all about God's grace. It's what God did. And yet, we have a tendency, and this is the, we'll look at this more next week, the older brother thing is we start getting caught up in these things that we're doing, and somehow we think the things that we're doing um, make us in a place where we deserve the things that are happening, but the reality is it's always about the grace of God. And that's what we have to remember to be a people of mission, that this is always about His grace. So why does God rescue the people of Israel? Because they're good or because He's good? Well, the people at that point in time, the psalmist tells us, really weren't all that hot. Listen to this. Uh, When our ancestors, this is uh, Psalm 106, 7 and 8, were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. It's because of the goodness of God that God moves into people's lives. Not about our goodness. It's about His goodness. And that's a picture of grace. So let's talk about grace for a moment. Point number two. Now, here's how I like to think of grace. Grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of His goodness. That's big that we get that. Grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, their performance, what they've done well, what they haven't done well, but because of His goodness. Remember, God is good. We did a whole message on that. God is always good. If it's not good, it's not God. God is good. The goodness of God is simple. The sovereignty of God can be a little complicated, but you need to rest on the side and and understand the goodness of God in this life. And the ultimate display of hospitality in the kingdom was the cross. See, at the cross, Jesus willingly gives his life to provide an opportunity for everyone who believes to be reconciled to God, to come home to God. In Christ, that's what happens to us. When we come to know him as Lord and Savior, we've come home to God. We are no longer strangers in his arms. They, they tagged that song so we could sing that, so that would resonate with you. See, we're, we're no longer strangers. Now in Christ, we've come home to God, and what a difference that makes. And, and see, the heart of God is that, that people will find their way into the kingdom as well. But that's who we are now. If you come to know Christ, you're that, you're that lost one that's come back. You know, you're one lost child that's made it back into the arms of Jesus, and you're no longer strangers. You're part of the family of God. And, and yet you did nothing to earn it. Paul says it's by grace and only grace that you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's the gift of God it's his goodness it's always his goodness it's not our own so as we talk about this idea of grace and hospitality in the process 
We have to hang on to this reality that it's His goodness and how much God loves people and how much God wants people to be rescued and how He sees people. I was thinking yesterday, I was out in the kitchen and I was preparing food for last night's service. I still do quite a bit of cooking around here. And uh, as I was, I was uh, working on the chicken parm for a whole bunch of people last night, and uh, as I was working on that, I had this sort of this flashback to years and years ago. And so if you didn't know, before I came to know Jesus, as a young man, um, I worked in um, restaurants and bars. I I ran restaurants and bars. And uh, it it was, you know, it was a hard life for me. It was all nights and it it wasn't a great atmosphere. And, and, you you know, I did a lot of things uh, that I shouldn't have been doing. And and that was my, my life experience. And, and I was in that situation when I met Jesus, when, when Jesus came, when, when he called me in. And I look back on that and I think, because I was no, you would not have wanted me on your team at that point in time. <laughs> if you knew me, you'd be like, mm, keep him away, you know. And yet God wanted me on his team. God wanted me in his family. And he met me right there. And, and he brought me in and he loved me and it wasn't about all the he didn't bring up all the mess he didn't bring up all the garbage I was into he didn't, he didn't go after any of that he just showed me how much he loved me and when I gave my life to him he filled me with his spirit and the spirit's been at work over the last oh, 35, 30, I don't know something, all, lots of years to change me from the inside out and he's still at work but, but even then see God saw potential in what was taking place and that's the heart of God for the lost he just wants the lost to come into relationship into family and we have to do everything we can to make sure that's how we see people even the people we think are just you know if you think well that, that's just too far gone it's not see and so we love them so that they can find their way back in. That's the heart of God. That's the hospitality of God. He wants to welcome sinners home, not because of their goodness, their performance, what they've done, what they haven't done, but because of who He is and His goodness. And we have to hang on to that. I think, you know, I, I think about that all the time, how He loved me where He loved me. And, and I ask God to always keep me in a place where I can continue to love people like that so that they can find their way in. Well, this is the story then of the prodigal son. Now, let me just touch on it here for a few minutes and we'll talk about it more tomorrow and I, I read you the story in the scripture reading and, and most of you have probably heard this story before but let me you know summarize it quickly what happens is there's a father with two sons and one of the sons um, goes to his father and says in effect he says it's really mean what he says he says look I've been waiting around for you to die and you're not following through and so I can't wait any longer I'm ready to go just give me my share of everything now talk about a way to talk to your father right and the father does okay here you go so splits it up sends him off the son goes off and and uh it turns out he's not as smart as he thought he was. See, if, if this relates to you at any time, you can, you can begin to nod. And uh, he goes out and he, he, ru- he loses everything. He gets some friends for a little while and, and, and yeah, he loses everything. And when he runs out of money, guess what else he runs out of? Friends. So may, and maybe you can relate to that or not. I don't know. And, and, uh, and he's, he gets a job. The only job he can find is feeding pigs. And, and you, have to, you have to really look into that story to get it, that this is a young Jewish man. And they have a thing about pigs. That's the worst possible job you could have at that situation. It's, and he's so hungry that he would happily eat pig food, but they won't let him. It's not part of his job. He's hitting bottom at that point, right? What happens? He comes to his senses. That's what the scripture said. He, just, he comes to his senses and he thinks, you know, I, pff, 
the, back in my father's house was way better than this. And I've blown it. I get that I've blown it. I can't go back as a son. But maybe, just maybe, if I get it just right and say just the right things and really, really ask him to forgive me, he'll let me come back as a servant. The servants have it way better than ever. And so he turns and he begins to walk towards the father. And I love this. You've got to catch this in the story. Verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now, that implies that the father was looking for him because he was a long way off. The father had been looking, never stopped looking for his son. His son was lost. He loved his son. His son was gone. And so he's looking for his son. And when he sees him way off, he's filled with compassion. That's what we have to be filled with. And what does he do? He runs to his son, throws his arms around him, and kissed him. I don't know if you can imagine what that must have felt like. Maybe you can. If you're like me, you, can, you get a glimpse of what that feels like. When the father, just right where you're at, the son hadn't even said a word. Hadn't even said he was sorry yet. Hasn't done anything. He's just started walking. He's just made the turn. That's all he's done. And the father's right there. And boom, he just picks him up and he loves on him. And the son, you know, he'd been, he'd been practicing this speech that he had and he couldn't even really get it out. And the father says, bring the robe. My son is back. He was gone and now he's back. He was dead. Now he's alive. We're going to party. This is what it's all about. This is the father's heart. He just wants the lost to come back into relationship with him. And when they do, it's a celebration. And he wants us to join in that celebration. And you have to see this, that the, the, the love of the Father was in place way before the repentance of the Son. It was already there. And that's the heart of the Father. It's based on God's goodness, not on our performance. And we have to remember that to be a people of mission. Or we're going to switch it around. Because there's another response that's coming next week. And it's the response of the older brother. And it just can't be our response. But God loves us even while we're out doing our own thing. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's waiting patiently for the opportunity to welcome His lost children home. He loves them so much, He's made a way back possible. John three sixteen and 17, we looked at this. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. See, our part in this mission is to keep finding ways to tell people about the amazing love of God and to be a people who are grace-filled, graceful, grace-filled, that the grace of God, we never forget it and, and it, and we always remember moving into it, that people who don't know God need to come through Jesus to meet Him and that, that the way that they're moved in that direction is by being loved on and by being shown the grace of God. It's, it's all, this mission is motivated in the amazing grace of God. And so uh, we're going to talk more about that next week. But I, I just want you to think about those things this week. Think about the grace of God. Think about what that means so that, that God can use us to make a difference in the world around us. Because God is amazing. He is so amazing. And He loves us so much. He loves us so much. We're going to go to prayer in just a moment. But, but once we're in prayer, I'm supposed to do this today. 
there's some people here today and you've never made that choice to, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus. It's a simple prayer. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in a little bit. I'm just letting you know when it comes up. And, and when I do, uh, um, for a moment, I'll have everybody close their eyes. Not yet, but just so you know that's coming too. And I just, uh, in a moment, I'll ask you to raise your hand and pray with me. Um, and, and everybody will have their eyes closed so it'll be between you and God and, and me. And I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up or do anything like that. But there are some of you who need to respond to that here in just a moment. All right? But I'm ending the message there. Ministry team, you head over to the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything today, they'll make sure you get it. They'll pray for healing. They'll, they'll pray for your relationships, finances, situations, problems, anything you've got going on in life. They'll pray for you. Um, as we were praying earlier, we felt like there was people in here who, when you sit down to pray, um, in, in, almost before you can even begin to pray, all of a sudden, all you can think about is all the stuff that you've done that you shouldn't have done. And it, it, it's, it's hampering your whole life, your prayer life. And, and, and that's not God doing that to you. That's an attack. And you need to know that that's not how God sees you, that all that mess has been taken care of at the cross, and, and God just sees you as His child. And He loves you. And He wants you to press in and engage. So if that's you, you may need some prayer to continue to step in that. But let me pray for you as a group. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. And help us to be people of grace so that we can be people of mission. And God, change our lives so that it impacts the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough this area so hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again for every church in this area where your word is preached. Ask that you'd bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you for including us in your story. And, and here's why I want to do that prayer. And so if you would, just for a moment, just close your heads and bow your eyes. I promise I, I, the other way around. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you could do the other one, that's a really amazing thing. But we'll talk about that later. Heads bowed, eyes closed real quick. Today, if you would say, you know what, Steve, that's, that's me. I, I want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm ready to, to make that connection and to pray that prayer. Would you just quietly slip your hand up in the air so I can see you because I want to pray with you? Okay, I see hands coming up all over. Good for you. Good. Very good. All right, we're going to pray. And, and let's, families do things. Let's everybody pray this simple prayer. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, now you don't need to pray anymore. Father, I pray for all those who prayed that prayer with their hands up or who maybe didn't get their hands up but prayed it, Lord, that now you would fill them with your Holy Spirit from top to bottom and that they would know this amazing love that you have for them. God, you're good. And you need to know that when you prayed that prayer, you touched off a celebration in heaven because you're home. Welcome home in Christ. Welcome home, God says. You're no longer strangers in his arms. You're awesome, God. If you need prayer for anything else, folks over there will pray for you. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for that food you provided. Bless it. Everybody that prepares it, draw people in for the 11 o'clock service. You're such an awesome, awesome God. 
Praise God from whom all bless. pretty. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.